Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. What is up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. Michael Borky is back in the co-host chair. He was back Wednesday. I don't know why I said that again, but we appreciate you hanging out with us on this Friday, February, was it like 6th or 7th? I don't have the date in front of me. It is the 7th. Okay, it is Mailbag Friday. The People's Holiday is back. We've got your questions. We've got some baseball to get into. We've got probably some basketball uh, because there is a game Saturday uh, at 1 o'clock. Not a night game, which is kind of nice. But we'll get into that, get into some different stuff. I'm probably, I said I was doing positional previews in baseball this week, and I kind of lied because, one, I didn't really think through that I'd be traveling all day Monday and then signing day would take up as long as it has. Plus, I'm kind of working on something else as well. So I think I'm just going to try to project my uh, Ole Miss's starting nine and uh, rotation and all of that today. So um, that I'm sure we'll be Glad 100%. you said that because we're going to do that on the radio show then. Okay, sweet. So I, yeah, I'm sure that'll be 100% accurate and there will be no need for you to tune in on media day when Mike actually announces it himself. Because I actually got in trouble one year for being too accurate with that when I worked in-house. <laughs> it was the worst <laughs> ass-chewing I've ever gotten. So we'll probably, uh, I'll do that. Uh, maybe there's a question that leads in that. I haven't read all the questions. As we were talking about before I got on the, and before we started recording, so when I send out the tweet for people to like, uh, ta- like I send mailbag Friday questions, and I also get some throughout the week just randomly from people, whether we mention it on a Monday or a Wednesday show, or it's just on their mind, so they just tweet me, and it's not like a reply to the tweet. So instead of going to like the Twitter replies, I go to my mentions, and I currently have a uh, a sprawling argument that has now lasted what appears to be almost a full twenty four hours between State and Ole Miss fans arguing about Doug Nikhazy's punishment or lack thereof, which we'll get to. But that's not really why I'm bringing this up right now. Yesterday on the radio show, we were talking about just the absurd social media message board type names, generic names that I haven't, like, kind of one of the bits we do is I just make up message board names, like, you know, Butthole Dog 69 <laughs> Well, there's, there's some good ones in here that you can't even make up. Are you ready for these? Oh, I can't wait. Rankin Dog. <laughs> Gridiron Dog. <laughs> <laughs> we got we got a couple more. I swear to God, it's not over. Um, uh, this guy actually uses full name, and I think he listens to this pod. Is listens to this podcast MSU Lewis, and this is not. Yeah, Lewis State. is a a committed uh, listener of Super Talk, if I remember correctly. So Lewis this, has been around a while. This is uh, this is not unique to state. If you go on any old mismatches board, there's you know Superman Reb and all that dumb shit. I've had my block block my fair share of superman ribs in the day this is not, i'm not making fun of just state I, do, I it's on both sides those are just the ones that are popping up right now i just find it hilarious i just i, I can't I, use not using your own name on so, like social media is weird to me and then it's ultimately weird when you combine that by referring to yourself in other situations as your internet or message board sp- screen name like i remember will salmon who now covers florida for the athletic was a guy that really, when I was like a student media, helped me out a ton, was nicer than he had to be. But like at Mississippi State basketball games, when he got promoted to the state beat from high schools, he would have people come up to him and be like, hey, I'm Bluegrass Dog. It's like, <laughs> hey, I'm Will. It's like, like this is a different, uh, a different age and time we live in. But again, it's not just state. It's on both sides. I just Of course, I mean, it's dog. every fan base, man. I mean, Tennessee's the worst because they put Vol in literally everything or VFL in everything, like Nashville VFL 58. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, you're right. I shouldn't have just limited it to the state. It's everywhere. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, Walmart, Roll Tider 59 or whatever. Like, I, yeah, I just it, – it, it humors me, I guess. But, like uh, – Rankin Dog and Salty Dog were the first two I saw, so I, I just I couldn't I couldn't resist. Dude, anyway, the, I mean to take a lighthearted thing and make it kind of more serious. That is the worst part about like being active online and covering sports because you know you know those same people. If it were JT Ginn, would be defending 
a pervert, uh, a hypothetical Chris Lamonis internal suspension and telling Ole Miss fans to screw off for saying that he should be suspended. But because it's Doug Nikhazy and he's not getting suspended, Ole Miss is corrupt and all that crap. And like you said, that is not isolated to Mississippi State fans. It is both in this state and it is everyone always. But that is the worst part. You it's still like, have people that point- defend Hugh Freeze. Sir, yes. It's like <laughs> you, you, you can point to half a dozen examples on both sides in recent history where a player probably should have been suspended for longer than they were, but they were big-time defensive linemen recruits, so they got away with something pretty – not pretty bad – disgusting. But that happens in college sports. You all live – in glass houses, and when you throw stones, you look like an idiot. But yet they do it all the time. And it, it's got to be exhausting. That's what I, and when the media people dive down into these weeds, I don't get it. Like, you're supposed to be like the rational thinking one. And like, you've got a whole, I just, like, and I've only got a three month old, but I've got a wife and a kid, man. Like, I, it would exhaust me to dive down into the weeds about, Doug Nikhazy's DUI arrest, like when I have a job and a wife and a kid and a mortgage, I don't get how people have the the time and the mental capacity to dive into this shit. I don't get it. Yeah, and people always like I keep saying college sports are a cult, and people keep smiling and laughing and being like, "Haha, that's funny." But like, you blindly defend whatever uh, happens to uh, said institution. Uh, you call each other by nicknames that are basically like AIM screen names 10 years later. Like, I'm telling you, it's more similarities than you think. But, yeah, I just – I don't get – like, what do you figure – you think Salty Dog right now is sitting at his 9 to 5 and being like, hold on, I'm going to be a hair late for that meeting. I've got to fire off some Doug McKaysey content. Uh, Salty Dog's got to get in the weeds here. Like, I just – I don't understand that. Like, surely they're all adults. Uh, you would presume so. I, I guess, I mean, maybe it's just they've got nothing better to do or, or a ton of free time, and, and good for you, man. But, like, it, you perpetually live in a glass house, all of you. And and there are media people that do this kind of crap. Um, there's one that I'm thinking of in particular that is uh, chest-beating about uh, a recruiting win. But when Ole Miss was doing better in recruiting, it was, well, who cares? It's just recruiting win on the field. And to, it's... You all live in a glass house, and you're all hypocrites, and maybe, like, find a hobby. Yeah, that's the problem is some of these – and it's not everyone. I'm not knocking – I'm not far from going to be the guy to knock on fan sites because I've worked for one in the past. But, like, sometimes that just breeds, like, a glorified mascot for these anonymous internet trolls to, like, blindly follow. Every cult has to have a leader. Anyway, we are off to a roaring start on this mailback Friday. Yeah, Let's, got, I don't I got a, sorry about that. I've just got I'm fired no, up. I, I no, no, I've I, I I I've got energy, man. I'm, I feel that every bit as much as you did. I, I was going to get that out there one way or another. Let's see. So we've got them all over the place today. We've got some on this Twitter. I've got te- some people texting. Let's see. I'm just going to start off from the bottom. Jack Nicholas versus Tiger Woods from the senior tees with modern clubs, and Tiger has to play with Hickory from the tips. I guess the course can be Augusta. You have to put your life savings on it. Who wins? So I don't fully understand this because both in their prime, giving Tiger Hickory clubs and Jack Nicholas modern technology and giving Jack Nicholas a closer tee wouldn't even be a fair fight. I'm guessing what he means is Jack Nicholas at this age. And I don't know. It'd be too hard. I don't know enough about Jack Nicholas's senior game because he hadn't played. Jack Nicholas hadn't played senior tours in God knows how long. Uh, I, um, I when I first saw this question, I thought, is he talking like modern, like the their current position in life, or if you brought Tiger Woods down to Jack Nicholas's technology age when Jack was in his prime, what would the results be, and vice versa? Like, I think yeah, that's no, a more that's interesting what, conversation there. Yeah, we're asking the same thing, so we can do it both ways. Because, like, I, I'm assuming he's talking about Jack Nicholas now because it would not make sense to give Nicholas that kind of advantage in his primer heyday over Tiger. So I guess now I'd probably I, – I don't, I don't know how to answer that one now because I don't know how far Jack Nicholas hits the bar and how much he plays. I'm probably still going Tiger uh, with the Hickory Clubs because I've seen Tiger swing – and navigate his way around the golf course. And I don't know how much the technology difference makes a difference. I know it definitely does. I'm not denying that. I mean, you're playing with 
a steel blade connected to a wooden stick versus today's technology. But let's, for the sake of the question, making it better, both in their prime and they both have to play with Nicholas's, or no, let's make it more fun. Both in their prime and they both play with modern technology. Give, like, throw the hickory shit out the window. Let's give Woods the, I give Nicholas modern technology in his time. I don't know. I think it would be a hell of a lot of fun. It's just, it's hard to project that in one day. I'm probably never betting against Tiger Woods because I know Nicholas won a bunch, but if it came down to 18 and someone has to will a putt in the hole, I've seen Tiger Woods do that 15 some odd times. Yeah, and the stat that people always throw out, because you have some that say definitively if Jack had modern technology, he'd be better than Tiger and stuff. And that's just, that's projecting. That's too hard to do. But the stat that gets thrown out there all the time is Jack has more second and third place finishes in majors than anybody else, and it's not even close. Well, that sounds good, and the consistency, I mean, that matters, right? But also, that means he finished second a lot. Yeah, that is also true. And like the technology thing isn't like a completely a fair fight because when when Nicholas and them were playing with that type of technology, they're also not teeing it up from 70, 7,200 yards or 7,300 yards. Hell, there was I mean, U.S. Opens that are 77, 7,800 yards now. Yeah, exactly. Like depending on elevation – and slope and all of that, like you're, you're, it's, it's a much different game. And it's actually what golf is battling right now. I haven't gotten the chance to dig into it this week, but I saw the USGA basically released a study on kind of the distance crisis in golf, and a bunch of players have weighed in on it. Where Mickelson was talking about, it's not the technology; it's stronger athletes and better athletes, and you shouldn't punish guys for getting stronger and better. Well, I think that's an interesting point. Uh, denying that the technology, like if you put a persimmon head driver next to the new Epic, I don't think there's any way to deny that it's that it is yeah. night and day different. So I kind of want to get into that. I'll probably make that my weekend reading, to be honest, because I saw a bunch of golf writers reacting to it. I just haven't had the time to sit down and look at it. So I'll go Tiger Woods because I remember one of the first times I was able to appreciate, and I like I was old enough to like remember most of Tiger, obviously, 24, like early 2000s. But the first time I really ever appreciated just, like, him being able to, like, will putts in the hole and, like, almost, like, the superhuman thing was that 2008 Torrey Pines major where he ended up in the 18-hole playoff, which RIP unfortunately doesn't exist anymore, with Rocco Mediate. But on the Sunday to get into the playoff, it was the 72nd hole, and he's got, like, this, like, I don't know, 16, 17-foot, like, right-to-left slider and everyone, like even the broadcast is just basically it's like setting it up, knowing it's going to go in. And then, of course, he curls it in and then Rocco Media goes, I knew he'd make it. It's like how terrible, like any other person on earth, you're sitting there thinking there's probably a 25% chance at best this goes in. And everyone at that entire place on Tory Pond's broadcast booth and the man who is about to have the biggest moment of his life if he missed was like, yeah, I knew he'd make that. Like that's it's a twenty foot putt with your life on the line. Who in the world like knows they're gonna make it? That it's, guy it's, does. Yeah, exactly. It prime Tiger Woods back then was just absolutely insane. Sidebar, uh, did you see so hey dad and Joel Coleman, I don't know how they got on it, but when they did uh, their podcast, they were talking about most transcendent stars. I assume it started with a conversation about Kobe Bryant. But some guy on Twitter uh anger tweeted at Hey Dad and Coleman today and said Ken Griffey had its own video games. Tiger Woods, like with question marks and exclamation points, because oh, they God. they brought Tiger Woods into the conversation. <laughs> Honestly, that guy must be a Cincinnati Reds fan or from Cincinnati, because like there's no other way you could make that argument. Because I don't even think people in Seattle loved Griffey Jr. that much. He was a very likable player, and honestly, his prime didn't last that long. But if you ever go back and watch. Like Ken Griffey Jr. highlights at the plate from when he was in his prime before the injuries got to him. He was sick. He oh, was incredible. But, but like transcendent. Tiger Woods had his obviously. own video game too, dumbass. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and like you Ken Griffey Jr. wouldn't be on the first four pages of transcendent athletes. Like that means no. you have to basically transcend your sport and be like a global brand. But Tiger uh, might be the most transcendent. If you really think about in relation to the popularity of the sport. And then what he did for the sport, the gap between the two, like you can talk Kobe and you can talk Jordan, but basketball is already a worldwide global phenomenon. And uh, they, they've both been out of the game for a while. And even though Kobe was still playing a few years ago, I mean, he was sight unseen. The teams weren't good. He wasn't playing very well. And 
but basketball is a global phenomenon. I mean, they make a billion plus dollars in China every year. It's the most popular sport over there, NBA basketball. Golf was not even on anybody's radar at all pre-Tiger Woods. And he made it appointment television for people that could not care any less about the sport, don't like it, don't understand it, have never played it, are not interested in it. People are yeah, interested I mean, in basketball. Even with or without Jordan or Kobe, people like it, they're interested in it, they're, they're fans of it in some cases. Golf is not that way or wasn't that way. And now, even though outside of the Masters last year, which sounds stupid to say, I mean, Tiger's not really been re- relevant for years now in golf, and it's still riding that high from what he was able to do to the sport, and it's really successful in the post-Tiger era because of him. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking Tiger, the Kobe and Jordan, as you're mentioning, probably the Williams sisters, and then probably an underrated one. Like, I didn't know who the hell anyone in swimming was before Michael Phelps. I think that has to count for something. I mean, yeah, bong rips aside. He was pretty transcendent. Like, I I mean, I I recognize him outside of swimming, and I never recognize. Like, I I wonder what Ryan Lochte's level of fame is without Phelps. Nothing. Yeah. So I I think he's up there as well. But it's an interesting conversation. (laughs) One that I would not put Ken Griffey Jr. in, even though I'm a Ken Griffey Jr. fan. I I enjoyed. I, uh, I really like him, even though he's a little old for me to actually remember and appreciate him. Who do you hope wins the Democratic primary, Bernie? This bit, this bit has gotten out of control. Did you see we had a guy on the text line of our radio show yesterday ask, is is Brian Scott really a uh, a millennial communist? And I, I don't even remember how this necessarily started, but apparently I'm just a huge Bernie bro, so I'm just going to lean into it. I really don't remember how this bit started. Rippy, somebody that works in the Super Talk office on the sales side pulled me aside two weeks ago and said, Hey, Michael, Rippy's really not a communist, right? Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) That's unbelievable. I just, I mean, I guess that's what makes it a good bit and we can keep it going. It's like, like, it's not really funny unless there's people that don't get it. Like the people that don't get it, uh, like actually make the thing funny. That's kind of how PFT commenter got famous. Like yeah. that, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't even remember how this started, but I guess in a, uh, in a dripping red state at, in Mississippi, it's almost like uh, McCarthyism, to where even if you just joke about it, it's like, hey, this kid's got to get out of here. Uh, Who do you want to win? I, honestly, for the internet, I was probably, I, I, I was thinking about giving a serious answer last night, and I was like, nah. But I, for entertainment value, I think Trump, like, because I, I when. I'm not giving my political leanings here, but I, I will say when I was at the end of college, I had never watched a presidential debate in my life. But when Trump got into him, my roommates and I like watched two or three of them just for the sheer entertainment value because you know they were all pretty generally terrible candidates. They were all just very like Trump kind of took the crudeness to another level. Point being, it was like a circus. And I was like, this shit is awesome. I should have gotten into politics a while back. Uh, so I think for the sheer entertainment value. I think Trump versus Warren would be funny. I think Trump versus Bernie would be hilarious. But if you put like someone apologist, apologist like the Mayor Pete guy, or uh, I don't even know who else is what, like Biden. Like I don't think that would be as exciting. And I don't really give a damn about like best candidate or anything. I want people to insult each other like five year olds, so I can laugh and have entertainment value. So I think those would be the two funniest. Yeah, a semi-serious answer, and then we'll move on. I know you people don't want to hear us talk politics, but if if somebody like a Bernie Sanders were to win the nomination, uh, that would not scare me because I don't think I'm a wuss, but the fact that uh, an open socialist at best, um, but such a radical like him, an anti-American radical, uh, winning a major party nomination would, um, I think that would bring us past a point of no return and i would be um well it would be handing trump the election that's exactly what they would do if that were to happen but i mean once you know once one happens who's to say another one won't happen and another one and suddenly uh, extreme policies like that become mainstream and sorry i know if if you think that way i'm sorry if i have offended you it is just my opinion and i have a journalism degree and the only thing i know about is sports so take what I said with a grain of salt, 
I love you even if you think that way. It just concerns me a little bit, and that's okay. So sorry if I offended you, and we'll stick to sports. Yeah, before we get to the next question, let's get some thoughts on like immigration and abortion before we keep this thing rolling. Anyway, <laughs> what's the great this is a good one. What's the greatest sports moment you y'all have witnessed? See, I you might be the same. I've been to a lot of venues and been to a lot of games and stuff, but no real like, oh my god, I was there when that play happened moment has really happened to me. I've never like I've been to the Masters twice, but it was never like I've been to the Masters and I saw Tigers chip in on sixteen. Like I, I didn't, I don't, I don't have those stories really. I I have any. I don't really have any of those either. I was in the Georgia near the tor, uh, that tornado hit it and it blew a hole in the side. Oh wow! When that screwed up the SEC basketball tournament, I was inside the building for that. It's not really a great sports moment. I just remember State was playing Alabama actually in that game, and the game was about to go into overtime, and then the jumbotron started swinging back and forth like one of those little uh, <clears throat> like hit the ball things that you put on an office desk. And I was like, this probably isn't cool. And then you look on the other side of the building, and you can see like you know the skyline outside. It's very interesting. But uh, <laughs> it was uh, that I don't really have any good ones either. I mean, most of mine would have been like either growing up or work related with Ole Miss. Like the fourth and twenty five was hilarious uh, i don't know how that's a like a great sports moment but like yeah i don't well, really you have just said there. offended more of our listeners than me talking about politics <laughs> probably so i imagine there's a certain amount of people that cringe it was historic if nothing else like people will people will show that play for for quite a long time i assume so. you were there uh the 2014 alabama game i mean maybe it's not just one moment although the the ref saying after a view, the ball was intercepted. Um, that's, I mean, that's just a really cool moment. But that whole day, forget what happened afterwards with Hugh Freeze being a complete fraud and scumbag. But that day, for Ole Miss, could not, and I, I was there, and so I, I kind of experienced it with all of you. Could not have gone better. That was a perfect football day. I mean, the weather was fantastic in early October. It was like you wore pants and a, a T-shirt. You know, it was like 72 at kickoff and got a little cold as the day went on, something like that. The weather was phenomenal. College game day did an absolutely incredible job capturing the Grove. I mean, the, the setting on the Grove stage was was great. Uh, the Like the B-roll and stuff of them walking through the, the alleys of the Grove and all of the side stuff they did about it and Chris Fowler wearing the the swoop hair frat guy wig, kind of like my hair, but better. And the, the red solo cups on wine glass stands and Katy Perry throwing Lee Corso's uh, mascot head into the crowd. All of that was perfect. And then you get down in the first half and you come back and Sinquez Golson, who's almost a foot shorter than, was it OJ Howard? I don't think it was OJ Howard, but it whoever, was OJ Howard. I believe it, it was OJ Howard, almost a foot shorter and catches that interception and gets a foot in bounds, and you tear down the goalposts, and nothing bad at all happens except for that Bama bro getting smoked by the Oxford Police <laughs> Department officer. That day was perfect. Everything went perfectly. And, I mean, the, the way people talk about it, and they should, that, like, I have a buddy that swears that's the best day of his life. He's married with two kids, <laughs> uh, which... It's kind of a concern when you think about it. But still, that day could not have possibly gone better. Everything went perfectly from the the sunrise into when they were carrying the goalpost around the square. Everything in between was, was football perfection. And it doesn't get better than that. It really doesn't. Yeah, that's probably up there for most Mississippians, or at least on this side of the state listening to this show. But, yeah, outside of that, I don't have that very many in professional sports, I don't think. At least not off the top of my head. And I feel like that would be something that would come up immediately. Down by 2.30, down by 6 with 2 minutes and 30 seconds left. Who are you taking? Steeman, Willie Beeman, Shane Falco, or Johnny Moxon? I'm guessing these are movie characters. The only one I don't I, I understand is Johnny Moxon because I've seen Varsity Blues. What are the other two? Uh, Shane Falco is from The Replacements. Uh, it was played by Keanu Reeves. Um, okay. Is that a football a, movie? Yeah. Oh man, it's it got Gene Hackman. It's good. Um, 
the NFL, which they don't use any NFL team names, uh, goes on strike, and they decide to fill out rosters with replacement players. And Shane Falco is the quarterback. He played at Ohio State, but he was uh, he was living on a houseboat, and like they just put this ragtag team of dudes back together uh, to try to make a run for the playoffs and. It's a it's your very stereotypical football movie, but like they get a guy out of prison to come play for them, um, you know, washed up quarterbacks. These two guys that were security guards for some celebrity that they play offensive line, and it's worth watching. It's just a dumb football movie, but it's good. Interesting. I'm gonna go Moxon just because I don't know any of the other the other dudes, but I will have to definitely check that. I movie think it's Shane Falco. He was clutching that Dallas game. Okay. You're welcome. I don't know. Do you know who the last guy is? Beeman? Uh, I think that's um, Friday Night Lights, right? No, I thought No, that's the, any uh, given Sunday. Okay, that's, um, that's exactly what that is. Yeah. Yeah, that's any given Sunday. I didn't like that movie. I thought it was very average, and I don't remember a ton of it. It's one of those I've only seen one time. It's got that great speech, though. We used to uh, have that on our pregame track uh, in high school. Was the football's a game of inches, Al Pacino? Yeah, Ole Miss used to use that in the mid-2000s all the time. Probably overused it. Uh, Wrestling question, was Cody Rhodes' 10 lashes segment the most incredible thing to happen in a long time? Sorry, not a wrestling guy. I don't know what that is. We'll we'll go with yes. Because the way he's asking it, Certainly sounds like he thinks that that's what it is, so we'll go with that. Yeah. Would, could Tom Mars get an Ole Miss player immediate eligibility? That is a perfect time to take a break. Then we'll answer it. But mind you, podcast brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Go see Greg. The pick'em season is over. I texted him uh, last night about his college basketball acumen. We are still deciding what to do about that. We'll have some kind of pick'em coming in the spring. Maybe he can get in the XFL. Maybe Greg will be the XFL meat chart. But go see him, University Avenue, across from Kroger. Opening days next week, go get some ga- a game pack for Swayze Field. He's got steaks, custom-cut sausages. You can go in there and grab a bite to eat. He's got plate lunches. He feeds the baseball team. Uh, before every game he can feed you too you can go in and get lunch and decide what you want to get for dinner but he's got the lane kiffin special bacon wrap or eight ounce six ounce bacon wrap filet excuse me keith carter special eight ounce bacon wrap filet had people go in there last week and get a couple of those greg can uh greg can hook you up he's got it going on in there go see him university avenue across from kroger lb's is absolutely the best place in mississippi to get meat and then he tagged us in a tweet yesterday if you buy something you get a free koozie which i have to disagree with greg there i think they're called huggies i think that's a mississippi thing but they are pretty uh they are not huggies they are koozies they are only huggies within the borders of this state man yeah apparently that is very much a mississippi thing because i got into an argument with some out-of-state roommates about that one day that ended up lasting like 48 hours huggies Uh, are diapers that's what interesting So I've never, I mean, I'd heard it called koozie before, but I thought that was just like some kind of vineyard vines, uh, for, like total <laughs> frat move terminology. But then I kind of realized everyone calls it that. They are some nice looking uh, koozies, though. I'm colorblind. One of these looks yellow or orange, and then there's obviously another blue one. So go check it out. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Tell Greg I sent you because he'll, uh, he'll be very happy. Let's see. Oh, so could Tom Mars getting an oldest get player almost, eligible? Yeah, I think he could. I just don't think he'd want to. Actually, I don't know if Tom Mars actually has anything against Ole Miss. I just think he likes to cause chaos. So if someone got on the other side of him and was like, hey, let's stick it to the NCAA here and let's get Deontay Anderson eligible where he wants to come back to Ole Miss. I'm just making something up. I think he'd probably do it and probably could. Well, he's on their payroll, though, now, right? So, but he's still doing it. So I wonder if that didn't last very long or he's just playing both sides of the card here being like, hey, you can't stop me. Because they hired him as an investigator. I uh, I wonder if Ole Miss should go that route with the safety from Georgia. I know Kiffin in his press conference mentioned that they're going to, as we talked about literally yesterday, um, trying to get him eligible. Maybe just uh, take this whole thing full circle. You know, Tom Mars did a lot of damage to Ole Miss and then now, hey, get Tom Mars to help you get this kid eligible. Yeah, longtime friend and former roommate. I think they should call Cal Mayo instead of uh, Thomas Mars. Mayo, if you're listening, I think your dad wants to get into this type of law. So, yeah, call uh, 
call uh, Cal Mayo for all of your immediate player eligibility needs. I'm sure he'll be extremely happy I said that. Um, <laughs> I think he could do I think Tom Parks could do it. I don't think he wants to. I hope Mayo hears this because that would be pretty funny. What's your favorite wedge in the bag? I don't know. I like my gap wedge. I can hit that like if I get it a hundred and ten gap wedge and do like three quarters, I'm pretty deadly there. Everything else it's pretty pretty rough. Yeah, I I am <laughs> I'm like Jordan Spieth. Um everything except for being good. But I use my fifty six from a hundred in anywhere. No matter where it is, except for the bunker, I'll use a sixty. But otherwise it's a fifty six from a hundred in. Too much can they can go wrong when you're full swinging a sixty because there's not much bounce on it and you can just slide under it. I don't I don't like doing that either. So hundred in and I use fifty six everywhere too. I hate using a sixty degree. If you're or, or the Nichols- people that use like the seven iron bump, like I understand it, why they do that and it's probably smart. I just I can't. I don't. I, do I never get to practice, sometimes. so I might as well just use the one club that I'm comfortable with and not screw with it. You know. I do that on chips sometimes because you can take it more like a putt and it's harder to screw up, particularly if I haven't played in a while. I do that but like pitching or anything like 45 plus to 100. It's probably a 56 degree. If you were Phil Mickelson, would you do the same thing? You lefties tend to think like I think he's referring to the uh, Phil Mickelson is not going to take an exemption into the U.S. Open if he does not qualify. So Phil's fallen out of the top 100 in the world. Phil hasn't really done much in a while, hasn't played very well worldwide, hasn't played particularly well in the States. Either if you're not top 60 in the world, you don't automatically qualify for the majors. And, of course, U.S. Open, the one major, Mickelson has not been able to win. He said the USGA offered to give him a special exemption into this year's and he said he would not take it if he was not able to qualify, which basically means win enough or win eight. If he wins a tournament, he's going to get back towards the top 50 in the world, I'm guessing, depending on what it is. So he said he's not going to take it if he doesn't if he doesn't earn it. So I kind of respect this move. I'd like to see Phil in the U.S. Open. I probably wouldn't do the same thing. If the USGA invited me to their uh, grand tournament, no matter where I was in the rankings, what I was doing, I'd probably take it. But I kind of respect the move. I do respect the move, and I have a feeling that he's going to qualify. I hope so, too. All it really takes is one win. If he can like win one of those Florida swing tournaments that gives you a bunch of points like the Honda Classic, or help give him a Players' Championship win. That would be awesome to see Phil win at that age. Uh, I think he'll get back in. So hopefully, hopefully this turns out to be a moot issue. I think as far as Twitter, that was most all the questions – we had let's get to I've got we've got some other questions at the end that I'm not I got a couple of texts and then I've got one from last week we skipped over but we probably do need to get in to some baseball stuff here well I'll use this as the platform to jump into the baseball segment of the podcast one we met with Mike Bianco yesterday and basically really the only thing we got out of it other than some minor housekeeping notes was he had a statement on Doug Nikhazy basically saying that uh the Punishment was being handled internally. He assured everyone it was rigorous punishment. But Doug Nikhazy, long story short, will not miss any game, actually. He will be the starting pitcher opening day next a week from today when Louisville comes to town. That, of course, set the internet ablaze as we hit as we hit on at the beginning of the show. I mean, I don't necessarily have a huge problem with this one way or another. Like, when anytime you suspend – and anytime you punish a player and it doesn't result in game suspension – like, it's perceived as pretty light. I, I get that 100%. Um, but, like, I didn't really have a huge issue with this one way or another. I can, I don't know exactly what the punishment is, but I've been kind of tipped off a little bit as to, like, the generalities of what it is. And, like, it's not nothing, but, again, people want to see, like, like punishment. and like pu- The only way you can see punishment publicly is in the form of game suspensions. And so when that doesn't happen, people assume there's no suspension and they're just making stuff up, which is not the case. But at the same time, I get why people would be upset. I don't really have a huge issue with this one way or another. Yeah, I mean, I don't either. The kid got lucky um, that that he didn't hurt anybody, um, but he didn't hurt anybody and he made a stupid choice. And I mean, look, probably should have suspended him. I mean, probably should have, but... I just, man, like I, I've done that before. I've not gotten a DUI. I am lucky, but I, I have had one too many at, when I was in college, and I, I did drive home. I was stupid. I made a mistake, and I luckily enough didn't get punished. Um, and I don't do that anymore because I've grown up and become less stupid. I, at least I think so. Um, 
So I don't know that this the outrage that people have over college kids doing dumb things and in the lack of punishment. I just I simply don't understand. I mean, this isn't uh, assault. This isn't domestic abuse. He he did a, a stupid thing, but he didn't. He got lucky, but he didn't harm anybody else. And he could have, I know, but he didn't. And uh, you know. Maybe he's a really good kid, and Mike knows that it was out of character, and he believes that it's not something that's they're going to have to worry about too often. I don't know. I, I just I, I'm going to spare the outrage on something like this. It'd be different if it was a violent act or something like that. I don't know if I'm making sense or not. I just know that. No, yeah, it, it makes if it was more like a more pressing societal issue that's going on right now. That's like frequently going not unpunished but like being swept under the rug like a domestic violence or something like that it's kind of ridiculous to kind of like compare the two i'm not comparing the two but i get what you're saying in the sense that like if it were something else like not i hate doing the state thing but like dan mullen suspending jeffrey simmons for a game for the like you know beating up the girl or whatever that seemed a little more ridiculous and this point being i'm not comparing the two. i sound like exactly like salty dog in my uh twitter mentions right now but, yeah, I mean, I don't have a huge issue at this one way or another. It does seem out of – I don't pretend to know these guys because we only get them for very small blips of time and, like, everything is very, like, uh, just – I mean, you're not going to get to know someone in college athletics from them talking to the media. But if you made me get – if you told me an old Miss player got a DUI and you made me go through the roster and guess, Doug might be the actual last person I land on out of all 36 dudes or whatever the roster number is just because – he was kind of built up as this, like, you know, extremely smart, kind of quirky, goofy skateboarder dude that, like, kind of the kid your mom wishes you'd be. And I'm not saying he's a bad kid because of it. I'm just saying it does seem very out of character. That would have been one of the last people, I guess. So I don't know. He's 19 years old. He made a dumb mistake. It was incredibly, incredibly stupid, incredibly poor judgment. But I think 19, 18, 19, 20 years old is the type, is the time you're supposed to learn from mistakes like this. I was about to say you're supposed to make these mistakes. That's not the case at all. But if you're going to do something like this, like this is the time you kind of learn from in life. Everyone's done stupid stuff at 19. I don't have a huge issue with this, but I did see this kind of coming. I didn't figure he would miss time. I, it would have actually shocked me more if he was not on the mound playing number one Louisville. Here's a question. If it was Western Carolina a week from today and not Louisville, is he suspended? I'm still going. I think the, the I I'm still going to say no because from what I understand is like this is like a uniform change they made a couple of years ago in terms of how they punish these things because they went with a different punishment type system a couple of years ago. Uh, so I'm still going to say no. I'm going to say uh, no. He would not be suspended at least game action. Uh, I do, I don't think it has uh, as much to do with the opponent, but that's a fair point to bring up because. I mean, it does kind of make you think, but I, I don't necessarily think that is the case. So aside from that, uh, let's go starting nine. This is uh, going to be interesting. This is my official Ole Miss opening day lineup. I say opening day lineup. I think Louisville's throwing a left-hander opening day, so this could change. This, is, this has nothing to do with pitching matchups. So if you get out there and there's more right-handed bats in the lineup because Louisville throws a left-hander opening day or vice versa, like uh, – don't add me with being accurate. I think the everyday third baseman, pretty obvious. Tyler Keenan, Anthony Servidio is going to play shortstop. For the time being, I think Justin Bench is going to play second base if he eventually moves to center field. It would not shock me at all. First base will probably be Tim Elko. Uh, that's one of those where he's just going to have to hit. Like They're going to give him 25 games. And if it gets better, it's good. If not, they're going to have to figure out something else. Like, it is kind of uh, make or break time for him at this point. So I got him at first. I think Hayden Dunhurst, the freshman left-handed batter, uh, is going to be the starting catcher. Uh, there is some competition there. Mike doesn't always necessarily trust freshman catchers, but I think this kid, as far as uh, catching, receiving, and uh, particularly at the plate, is uh, – Definitely up to the challenge. He's got big shoes to fill with Cooper Johnson, but I think he's going to do it. I think he beats out Knox LaPosser. So that is prob that is your infield. I feel pretty confident about that. Outfield is where it kind of becomes a mess. Left field, I will go Peyton Chatagnier, the kid uh, we couldn't name pronounce. 
The Texas kid had a pretty big fall. I think they're need, going to need a find a place for his bat. Uh, I think he's a decent defender, but I would put him in left field. Center is going to be interesting. I want to say it's going to be Jerry on Ely, but I think Kate Sammons has a pretty good chance, but this is kind of the lefty-righty thing to where if he's not out there opening day, it's because Louisville's throwing a lefty and he's a left-handed bat. But he's a elite runner, elite defender. Hits okay, doesn't really hit the ball out of the ballpark, but is pretty good, uh, pretty good defender. And Ole Miss hadn't had a good defensive outfield in quite a while, and so I'll go, I'll go Salmons. But if it's Ely or someone opening day because they hit from the right side of the plate, then that's just I'm just gonna have to live with that error. And then right field, I'll. See, this is going to be one of the kids that, like, do they find a place in the lineup for him because of a bat? It's going to be some combination of, like, Graham, Leatherwood, Kale Baker. I'll go Leatherwood right now. The Juco kid had a big fall, huge bat. I think they're going to try to find a place for him in the lineup again because of his bat, kind of like Chatagnier. So I'll go him in right field, and then I'll go Kevin Graham DHing. But again... Louisville ends up throwing a left-hander subject to change, but you talk about everyday-ish type lineup, that is probably my best guess. And the question that everybody's asking always, all the time, what about the football players? I don't know what I don't know how much of a role I don't know how much of a role John Rice Plumley is going to have. I'm not saying it's not going to be one. I just don't know. I, Ely was a more toolsy prospect, as I've mentioned on this show a couple of times. I think Ely's got as good a chance as anybody to play everyday center field. I really believe that. I mean, from everything you hear, like he's made a pretty smooth transition. He's a good, good baseball player. I mean, how this time a year ago we were talking about how eh, like he slipped in his senior season a little bit, but he's probably going to the draft, and then he had a rough senior year at the plate. You know, you know what happened after that. So I. I think he's got a shot. I just I'm gonna give the slight nod to Salmons because the kids they you know had been in baseball the whole time, had a fall, you know, pretty good defender. But if Jaron Ely ends up being the everyday shortstop, I, I it's not gonna shock me at all. Like it's so hard to project an everyday lineup in February because all like these teams end up having so many moving parts. Hell, you remember last year with this team, you were like I remember being at Louisville at the beginning of March, kind of mid March, and they're still fooling around with guys. They were doing it in April. It's you know, some teams it takes a while to settle into an everyday lineup. I think this might be one of them with the outfield, but I think Ely's got a pretty good shot. I, do, I don't, I'm not saying Plumlee doesn't have one. I just don't know what he is as a player. Now, could he come off the bench to be a pinch runner and be all right? Like, yeah, sure. I just, I, I don't, I don't really know what Plumlee is. So it's harder for me to say. Um, what did you make of Lane's answer at the press conference about that? I, I'm, if I remember correctly, you're going to have to help me with this because. I didn't get to watch it in real time. Um, when he was asked about the baseball players and the football players, didn't he say something like, uh, if they have um, an everyday role, that's fine, but we'll reevaluate after the season? Wasn't it something like that where he, he kind of made so, it clear that, hey, if they're not playing, then they need to stop playing baseball? So that's kind of, sort of, but that's not the vibe I got. I actually thought it was okay, a really interesting you. answer and probably the best way to handle it. So you're you're – kind of on the right track there but not i don't think that's what he was like uh insinuating basically he was like they're gonna be at baseball all the time and i think it helps their starting spring ball a little later this year they're starting spring ball march what 15th yeah we said something about that already remember last year kind of extended to like february 28th like so it's later this year but he basically said they're gonna be at baseball full time he's like if they're gonna do something and play a sport like the fall, they're going to be here, and when they're at baseball, they're going to be baseball players. And then whatever time is left over and whatever they feel like they can handle, then we'll incorporate football into that. And then he was like, and then we'll just see how it goes. He said, if they're playing major roles on the baseball team, then they'll stick with baseball, and then they'll just kind of do whatever they can football-wise. But if they're not playing major roles and they're not getting major playing time in baseball, then they might come over here a little more and we'll just kind of play it by ear, which I think is the best way to handle that. So which is basically he was saying like, like I guess he could have been like, no, we're not going to touch him. Everything's going to be left over, like just whatever time they have left over. But he did kind of leave the possibility open of basically like, hey, if they're not playing, then yeah, sure, they're going to come do more football stuff. But if they're not, if they are playing major roles, I'm going to leave them alone type of deal. Yeah, I wonder 
It's always going to be the conversation. I mean, we're going to be exhausted by it, but it's going to be what the people want to hear. I wonder what that means for, for Plumlee and actually becoming the quarterback. I don't know if it means anything or not. In fact, I don't think it means anything at all. I just I find it funny that every time they tweet out an off-season workout video, Matt Corral is featured on it every single time. And I know that doesn't mean anything, but it's funny to me. Like, you've got this kid uh, who is – I mean, he's – a returning starting quarterback. You know, he didn't end the season that way, but he's he was the starter last year, and he's there every day with football and being a part of it. And then when spring practice comes, he will be there every single day, whereas the kid who really needs to get better throwing the football is throwing something a little bit smaller and working on his swing plane. I just I, I wonder if that kind of attitude with it that, well, when they're playing baseball, that's what they're going to focus on um, is not uh, tipping a hand a little bit as to what he sees the future of his quarterback being. Because if you if you know the kid's got to work, and he's got a ton of stuff to work on. He's a natural athlete, a great athlete. But if he's going to be a quarterback in the SEC, he's got a ton to get better at. And his coach is basically like, yeah, if he, you know he's going to go play baseball, that's all he's going to do. Whereas his competition for the spot is working every day on football and is already ahead of him when it comes to passing mechanics and ability and stuff like that. I find that fascinating. Yeah, I think this ends up like this goes back to if you listen to this podcast for a while, I think it's going to end up as just specific to Plumlee. I don't necessarily know it either. I think if he's not playing a major role immediately, he'll kind of be like, hey, I was a starting quarterback in the SEC last year. Maybe I'll go like focus on that anyway that's just a guess on my end like if he doesn't immediately have a role I think he might like kind of reconsider and be like okay maybe I should go do this whole football thing I got a chance to be a starter under Lane Kiffin in the SEC and he ends up playing football maybe I'm wrong with that but like see how it goes three weeks into the the growing thought that if he like he's going to play baseball that 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 is non-negotiable that if he doesn't if baseball is no longer an option at Ole Miss that he will go somewhere else to do it no, but that, I think that was the, the 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 thing in the sense that like if he was prevented from trying. But my okay. point is like okay. if you're a month in and he's not playing, he might decide, okay, this might not be the best idea. Like I'm not saying someone's making that decision for him, but if he's a month in and he's riding the bench and he's not playing and he's pinch running every third day or something like that, he might be like, hey, I was a starting quarterback in the SEC last year. I'm probably going to go focus on that. I don't think anyone would take the decision out of his hands. I'm thinking that's something he might decide, but okay. just a guess. I see. We're going to have to talk about that a lot, you know. Yeah, I know. It's going to be a, it's going to be talked in the ground. I can't wait to ask Mike Bianco about it six times uh, six times a week. I'm sure he'll very much appreciate that. <laughs> I would love to see his reaction if you asked him what he thought about plowing, uh, Plumlee's uh, passing mechanics on the football side. Hey, Coach, what do you think about his passing footwork in the pocket? He wouldn't answer it. He would just stare at you and then just basically wait for someone else to ask the question. On the on that note, he got asked where the football stadium was yesterday. I didn't mention this on Wednesday show. Lane Kiffin figured out where the baseball stadium was on Wednesday. Said he had no idea where it was. He was Dude, driving. How do you drive in town and not know where the baseball stadium is? Like, you can't well, miss it. I mean, that's kind of, I guess, like the ultimate like football guy move is like, you know, he has no idea where this massive monstrosity of a building is that what, as the crow flies, is probably 500, 600 yards at best from the IPF. Maybe a little longer than that, but you get my point. Like, it's not very far at all. Just has no idea where it is. I guess he's just laser focused. But he said he picked up Jerry and Ely the other day, saw him walking, and was like, where are you going? He's like, the baseball stadium picked him up and gave him a ride. And kept making wrong turns, which I don't even know how many wrong turns you can make. There's only a, there's only a couple. Uh, like I was, I was trying to figure out like what wrong turns you make. Maybe he was hanging out in the Ford Center parking lot. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, figured out where the baseball stadium was the other day. So, good for Lane. Outside of that. He must not we'll- have spent a whole lot of time in town. Like, just on the road recruiting and stuff and building your staff and moving from Boca and whatnot. Maybe he just hasn't been around all that long i bet he still doesn't know his way around that much i bet that's definitely exactly what it is finishing out the uh, whole baseball deal i uh rotation is fairly obvious with two spots it's gonna be nikhazy it's gonna be hoagland on saturday and then i think Derek diamond ends up winning the sunday slot at least to start the year freshman uh right-hander 
who I think is a little bit ahead of another freshman right-hander in Drew McDaniel. I think they both have decent shots, but I, I think McDaniel probably ends up as the midweek guy at Diamond on Sundays, at least to start the year. Closure is going to be Austin Miller. And then the big news this week was they lost Tyler Myers to Tommy John. He injured his forearm in a inner squad over the weekend, ended up being a little bit, of, uh, had some UCL damage and basically ended up undergoing Tommy John. So they lost him for the year. That's a huge loss. That is a, uh, that is an innings eater middle reliever who was really, really good for them last year in spots. Uh, that's a, that is a big loss for Ole Miss. Uh, so they're going to have to be able to compensate for that. I think they have the, uh, the pieces to able to do it because they have plenty of right-handed arms. They're a little left-handed short, or I should say short on left-handers. But I, I think uh, that's a pretty big loss for Ole Miss. I think that means probably more innings for guys like Taylor Broadway, Max Chofey, guys like that. But you're going to have Austin Miller as closer, which is going to be interesting because he's. I think he's going to be very good. Dude tunnels his pitches very well. What he did last year in the championship game against Vanderbilt was was pretty sick. But it's going to be a much different type of closer than Parker Caracy was. So I, I find that pretty interesting. But already a pretty big bullpen loss. They're right-handed heavy. But I think they have options back there. I don't think they're necessarily worried about it. But they would certainly definitely like to have Tyler Myers. That's I, that's a big loss in my opinion. Uh, that's, a, that's a shame. But uh, they're still pretty deep there. So if they were going to sustain an injury, at least it's one where it feels like they are, you know, it's the only position of certainty. Yeah, I mean they they've got arms back there, but like that's a guy that's that's eaten a lot of innings and and pitched in games like that before, and you really just can't replace that type of experience. But again, they've they've got other options. I mean, you've got veteran guys, Max Chofey, uh, Greer Holston will be interesting to see how he kind of fits in this year after uh, overcoming basically the yips last year. He is apparently back to normal throwing low 90s again, uh, throwing secondary stuff pretty well from everything you, you hear. So they've got options, but it will be interesting to uh, to kind of see, like I guess, how they compensate for that. So I don't know. I definitely don't want to be losing bullpen arms before the season if you're all missed, but just kind of is what it is. I think that's about all we've got baseball-wise. We'll get into hoops in just a second, but I'll remind you one more time. Go to LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Go see Greg. Football season's over. He made you a bunch of money. Go give him some of that money back by going and buying his steaks. University Avenue across from Kroger. Best place in Mississippi to get meat. Steaks, custom cuts, daily specials, game packs. For baseball season coming up, he feeds the baseball team. He can feed you while you watch the baseball team. Go check it out. I might go there this weekend, actually. Greg's been trying to get me in the store there for about a week, and I've just kind of been busy. I might stop by today and uh, – see what he's got going on, maybe throw something on the grill this weekend. Not a ton going on this weekend. So go see him, University Avenue, across from Kroger. Ole Miss has a basketball game Saturday against Florida, 1 o'clock tip-off. Uh, I don't really have a bunch to add to this. It'll be interesting to see if they can parlay it and play well uh, two games in a row. From Florida's end, they're fighting for their NCAA tournament life, and they can't really afford a loss to Ole Miss. But as we mentioned kind of on yesterday's show, Ole Miss's mindset is now just kind of try to win February, see if they can play better in the month of February. And I guess they were off to a good start. I mean, they played well against South Carolina. I don't really have a ton to add to this. No, it's just uh, I'm interested to see what the crowd's like. Um, if there's any kind of response to what happened on Wednesday night and if that means more people show up and, you know, they're doing the meet the baseball team and all that good stuff. Um so, I don't know. I, I'm always interested in that. I, I know the season's been disappointing, but um, the students especially have done a really good job since the pavilion opened uh, of actually showing up and, and being a part and, and making it um, a viable road environment. So, that I don't really know. changed last year, I thought. Kermit made that. They had some high-profile games. The team was good. Kermit made that kind of a fun deal. Like I think last year did a lot for student interest. Yeah, you just hope that it doesn't wane. I mean, it. it I, you were there. It, it looked like it was fine considering the team wasn't very good on a Wednesday night against a team that doesn't inspire you to show up as far as the students go. Yeah, it was okay. And then Auburn the week before that was like the most students they've ever had come watch a basketball game on campus history. It was, uh, it was packed. So, I mean, I think people just like, even though the team's not necessarily very good, I think that people just like, that's an enjoyable place to watch a basketball game. And I think people like going in there 
and just kind of going to the games. I do feel like, in terms of a content perspective, we were robbed a little bit uh, in terms of like this team because, like, to me, they should be like pressing the panic button right now on their NCAA tournament lives. Like they they don't feel like they they feel like they should be around four and five, and these next few games kind of be making breaking their season. Florida, Mississippi State. I mean, road game at Kentucky, and then a crucial game at Missouri. But like their inability to close out games, they're just too far behind the eight ball for these games to really have any significance coming up. But it feels like it shouldn't be that way. Like they're not a great, like they're not a good team, but they're like they they feel better than their record. And I know we've talked about this before, but it just they're feels like it's early. Fe- better than their record. Yeah, it just feels like though in early February they should still kind of be very much on the outside looking in. I'm not suggesting they're an NCAA tournament team, but having a outside shot if they got hot, if that makes sense, and. Given the way they've closed games, that's just not a possibility. But it feels like it should be. So, like, like they're, I just look at their February schedule and what they have coming up and be like, man, this has this had a chance to be very intriguing, and it's just not. So, uh, content-wise, that kind of stinks. It does. But, uh, I mean, they have a real shot. They, they can go ahead and beat um, – Florida tomorrow. It's possible. They absolutely can. I mean, they had Auburn in overtime. They, they are capable of winning a game like that. So they've been playing better lately. And Black C's got to stay out of foul trouble and try to be there to defend Blackshear. But it can be done. Headed down the home stretch here, we've got a couple of questions left, and then we'll get out of here. Can y'all talk about what you think the best way to follow Ole Miss baseball games is? Mostly for the games not on TV. Twitter, radio, what is it? I really only use Twitter and the radio. Any apps to keep up with college baseball game stats, kind of like how Bleacher Report does for every other sport? Not really. And like this problem was solved a couple years ago when they started doing, uh, when every, what, the, the SEC network basically and ESPN Plus and all that, every conference game is televised. So you really only run into this issue when uh, you play non conference road games now. But, I mean, I would probably say radio or Twitter. I don't really know what else there is. Like, there's not really, like, a like a GameCast app or anything. D1 Baseball has a live scoreboard that they actually – up. there's a couple that lives in Omaha that actually updates that thing by hand out of their basement. So, there's not really a GameCast thing for college baseball. So, I would say Twitter and radio is probably your best bet. I don't really know of any other avenue. Um, well, Twitter's the absolute worst this time of year. If you follow multiple people that cover – one of these two schools, I mean, my God, you get a pitch-by-pitch update sometimes. I, I just – it's exhausting um, to just scroll through that. But if you can't watch on TV, radio is your best bet, unless you want to just flip through Twitter forever. Um, but you can find Ole Miss games through Super Talk on uh, TuneIn or, like, if you have – if you're in Mississippi and actually have uh, a radio at home. But – that's the best way to do it, I think, um, because you can do other things instead of being beholden to your phone for three hours. Yeah, nice plug there. So, uh, listen to him on the Super Talk Radio Network or just uh, read the post game at supertalk, supertalk.fm. As dead as game stories are in today's age of like modern uh, like game coverage and media, I think if there's one sport that still has like value to like Game stories, it is, uh, like, I guess, very uh, writing-friendly. It's baseball, just because there's so many games and the game's so long, and you can kind of actually kind of still, I guess, have a desire to figure out what happened type of deal. So, like, reading-wise, baseball seems to be one of the few sports left where, like, an actual game story has any sort of value at all. Because, like, hoops and basketball, it's like you want more analysis and, like, why it happened and stuff. But baseball seems to, like, lend itself better to, like, your more traditional game story more so than others. So aside from that, strong agree there. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, I think that's why you see that. Like, I mean, you saw it with the athletic when the athletic was coming up, like they were very successful in professional sports and particularly professional baseball and went heavy into it. And I think that's why, because I mean, you got a game six days a week in professional baseball, sometimes seven, like it's just, there's so much content to consume that I think it lends itself better to writing to where it's like basketball, like Excuse me, basketball and football is more just like, you know, will Dak get franchise tag next on Undisputed? Like, it tends to lend itself better to hot takes. Uh, Not very many hot takes you can draw in baseball, but I don't know. Uh, Let's see. 
two more left. If Morgan Freeman played a sport at Ole Miss, what sport and what position and why? Rifle team. So I uh, learned, well, I kind of learned this a while back. My roommate and I were actually discussing something similar to this the other night. He was, I got home from the game and he was asking about Morgan Freeman. I was, I was, he's a, actually an Ole Miss fan. I was like, I don't know. I think he just likes basketball and I think he retired up here. But I was, I was telling, I actually played a pretty alpha move here. Morgan Freeman let me play through him in golf at the university course one time. Uh, I didn't know who it was, and he was playing by himself. And I was like, no offense, this guy's pretty slow. But he pretty quickly let me play through him. And then as I got by, I saw he had some kind of like injury or something to where he was like, like he had kind of a funky swing and he was kind of moving around a little slow. Do you know he doesn't have a left or maybe his left or right hand? He's missing one of his hands. Wait, what? Yeah, that's what I said. He does. He uh, one of his hands is is, I don't know if it's missing or it's paralyzed or something. But basically, he doesn't have use of one of his hands, and he keeps it pretty well concealed and like like both physically like like it's hard to like tell or see. But yeah, he uh, he's oh, missing one of his. Oh, it's not missing, or at least according to Google, it's uh, it's a paralyzed hand. So he wears like a, a special compression glove to kind of. Um, to help him with that but yeah yeah so i think that would make sports pretty tough uh maybe you could do rifle i don't know if you could shoot with one hand um but yeah i found that out yesterday you kind of learn something new every every tuesday night whatever it was uh you learn something new every day so yeah he's missing one of his hands so i don't know it's I don't not know. missing man it's it's there. Oh, sorry sorry it's there it's there paralyzed whatever does not have use of his hands no opposable thumbs like what he so I think that would make sports pretty tough. I'll go. I mean, baseball. I guess you could catch it. Yeah, yeah, baseball. The, both of these are Morgan Freeman related. Could Morgan Freeman replace Glenn Waddle as the PA man at Vaught Hemingway Stadium in Swayze? I think so, but I think Glenn Waddle would fight you to the death for that. Uh, they just need to turn his volume down. Like he's he's not a bad PA guy. It's just so damn loud that it, you. You grow to not like him because it's so loud. <laughs> I, have a, I have a Glenn Waddle story that I'm not going to share because Richard would probably kill me. But yeah, I, I, it is very, it is very loud. I wonder though if it's voice though because I was, we, I think you mentioned this the other day, and then I've mentioned I could hear him. One of those crappy bowl games, I think one of the Mobile Bowl games, he was paing, and I could hear him through the television. So maybe his voice just pierces everything. It must, but still, man. Just if they threw a curveball though and let Morgan Freeman do the PA for one game and didn't tell anybody, I think that would be hilarious. That would yeah, be that awesome. would be sick. Uh, if hey, his uh, voice just came over to the Alabama game next year or something, like just boom, like everyone would be like, "Whoa, dude!" I'm about to tweet that right now. <laughs> Let's make that happen for next year. Just be like Glenn, like go take a coffee break. The the fourth quarter is uh, Morgan's, but. That would be pretty interesting. That's actually a really good idea. I think that is all. Oh, the last one I missed last week. Uh, worst living situation in college. Do you have a good answer to this? Uh, I lived in a five-bedroom house that was really four bedrooms, and the dining room was converted into a bedroom, and one of the walls was simply a big piece of plywood. The house was so old and so shitty. There, there were just there were holes in the wall everywhere. The carpet was white, or well, supposed to be white, but it was just brown from the years of shit uh, that went on in that house. And the la- the guy that owned the house uh, stopped cashing my checks like two two months into living there, oh. and so I stopped paying him because he wasn't cashing my checks. Lived there for an additional twenty two months. Without paying him one time, and he never came to the house, never cared, nothing. So you had two years of free rent. And no lease. None of us signed a lease. That we is just living in this dump of a house without signing a lease. That is, uh, that's better than the one I got. I, uh, I lived in the retreat when I was a sophomore in college, and it was a five-man house connected to another five-man house. Not connected. We were neighbors. So it was best, basically a 10-person house, and basically uh, our house was the one that everyone congregated at. And I had the downstairs room, 
which the downstairs bathroom had a, like a double door type thing to where it was also like the public bathroom. And I just very much did not enjoy that. It was like the most fun I'd never do again. Uh, the house got torn to shit. Someone put up a dartboard and basically all the wall behind the dartboard just got peppered to where it was almost unrecognizable. It looked like a piece of cheese at the end of it. And so like, it's like the classic, like, yeah, probably not getting the security deposit back on that one. But, uh, that was the first time like living outside of a dorm, like having your own house. And, uh, that was a little much, basically a 10 person house. And it was, uh, very much fun at the time, but I don't think you could pay me to do that again. So that was probably my worst living situation. Never once hated any of my roommates. Like I've always enjoyed all the people I live with, but that was just too many people. Yeah, I hear you. That does sound like fun. But that's all we got for today. That was a good mailbag Friday. Appreciate everyone participating. I think we covered a bunch of stuff. I don't think we missed anything. We'll um we'll have basketball coverage this weekend. At supertalk.fm, I'll be at the game. Uh, you can find all kinds of coverage there. If you like what you heard today, like and subscribe to the podcast. Rate and review the podcast. Tell all your friends about the podcast. Tell them to come hang out with us. Uh, unless you got anything else, I'm going to get out of here. That's it, man. All right, go see Greg. Get uh, go get the uh, go get some college basketball gambling picks from him. Go get some meat. Uh, we'll be back at it on Monday. But for now, I am Brian Scott Rippey. For Michael Borky, we will catch you again on Monday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.